Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 37 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today is simply not human. And I don't know what else I can possibly say beyond that for an introduction. He is the former Ring of Honor world champion, PCO. PCO, how are you doing today? I am uh, fantastic, uh, Kevin. I hope you're you're as good as I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Well, I got to yeah, ask no. you, man. You, you just had your first two matches back in the ring recently. Um, obviously, uh, we saw you and Mark Briscoe against the Bouncers on TV. Then we saw you and Mark at Final Battle against the ROH World Tag Team Champions, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. So I have to ask you, how did it feel for you uh, physically, but also mentally, to be back in the ring after such a long layoff? Because your last match before this was in February. Well, the thing is, like, being, you know, that's our job and uh, being professional, you have to make sure that when you go back into action, you're ready for it, you know? So I think it's our responsibility as professionals to, you know, do things that are very similar or try to, you know, uh, rent the ring where even if it's a lockdown, there's nobody early in the morning where you can take some bumps, you can work some drills, uh, get a, a boxing gym where you can get some workout in, do some runnings, do, you know, there's, there's plenty of things that you can do get a, a gym where you, you can train because it's a, a private gym and you you pay a rent uh, you go there at 4 a.m. in the morning so you're in no no one's ways and, and things like that you know you just gotta you just gotta be creative and you just got that's for me that's just being professional I mean uh, the other aspect of it though it's the uh, the no crowd you know having no fans that's that's a big thing because you can't feed off of the crowd. So it's, uh, it's so different. You know, you can stretch out and see the crowd is on fire, ecstatic. And sometimes you can stretch your comeback or you can stretch a sequence because, you know, you, you feed off the crowd. So right now it's more like a mechanical match. You know, it's, it's that's the difference. You know, the big difference for me, it's more, you, you don't really interact and feed off with the crowd, but it's more uh, me mechanical, you know, it's, it's, it's all mechanics, basically. But once the uh, the bell ring, and the match starts, you're, you're such into a bubble, not to say the word bubble, but <laughs> you're, such, you're such into your, your own world that you forget that, you know, that you're, for the performance itself, for me, uh, it doesn't change anything. You know, I, I perform the same way. Like I, 
I take the same bumps. I take the same risk. I, I'm, I'm such into a state of, of, you know, fully being present of, and, and so passionate about what I do that I, I totally forget that there's nobody there. I, you can't forget because you don't hear them, but as far as performing a match, you, you forget that. Well, you mentioned taking the same bumps, and obviously uh, that's your calling card is, is the insane bumps that you take. I would think part of it uh, is, is your adrenaline is pumping, and part of that is the crowd. So that just would see, I don't know, for someone like you, I know different guys have, some guys play off the crowd more than others, but for someone like you who needs that adrenaline to take these big risks, um, that must have been kind of weird for you. Yeah, it, it is, but in a way, you know, you you get up there on the top rope and whether there's a table there or, you know, you know you're going to hit an apron bump uh, on a senton or something, you just you just do it, you know. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> a, I don't know any other ways to, you know. For me, the fans watching on TV are as much – important as the, the fan watching live so I, I i can't change my style because there's no fans in the audience because there's you know millions of fans watching over the you know over, because that that match gonna be replayed and it's gonna stay on honor club and it's gonna go on youtube and it's gonna be all over the place so you know, eventually it's going to reach a mark where so many people will see that match. So I cannot put the brakes on just because there's no fans in the building. Right. You mentioned that, that senton uh, onto the apron, which I think your uh, success rate on that is probably lower than Ric Flair going to the top rope and, you know, <laughs> yeah. getting, getting slammed. Um, <laughs> have you ever – that's one of the most insane bumps I think I've seen, but you take a bunch of them. Has there ever been a bump that you've taken it and you've immediately said to yourself, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. No, because um, they all feel pretty good to me. Like uh, even when I took the uh, power bump uh, against the uh, guerrilla of, of uh, destiny, uh, G.O.D.'s uh, from, from New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Tonga Brothers, even when I took their double power bomb from the inside of the ring to the cement floor on the outside, it felt good to me, you know. It felt like, wow, you know. So, uh, you know, sometimes I'd say uh, nine out of ten, for me, there's nothing there. Maybe one out of ten, I may, maybe my neck will hit a little bit before, or, or I remember uh, for the uh, when we did the uh, we worked together with NWA for a, a special event, and I remember that uh, I don't know who did the ring, but there was no mat on the apron. So when I took that bump, I hit that steel bar. Yeah. And I, I remember that uh, I I was making from getting to the hotel, like getting out of the van, getting to the hotel, back to my room. I was making like baby steps. Like Brody King saw me, 
walking to my room and he said, are you okay, brother? And I, he thought that I was done, basically. He thought that, you know. And then when I saw him the next morning, I was like running around like nothing happened. So he was <laughs> like, geez, how can you do this? And I said, I don't know. I got that. I don't know. I got the... I'm, I'm blessed with, with the, the fact that I always loved to bump and to take risk and uh, I'm, I've always been pretty successful at it. Like, so touching wood, but uh, I don't feel like for a lot of people, maybe sometimes they may think, uh, well, it's very risky. But for me, I know the odds. I know when I decide to do something, something is because uh i i know that i can back it up you know if not uh, i wouldn't do something that i think or have doubts that i could you know come back at there like uh not not healthy you know so right. it's, 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 there's a lot of thought to be that i've been put into what i've been doing like even if it doesn't look like that well, I, you mentioned that power bomb spot to the floor uh, with the grills of destiny. I, I remember that very clearly, thinking, "Man, this one, this is it. Like, this is the one that, you know, I cringe. <laughs> I, I'm sure a lot of us, you know, especially those of us who know you, um, we cringe. We're like, "Oh my God, please don't do that!" And then you do it, and you get up from it. So it's, you know, it really is superhuman the way you can take the, you absorb these bumps and come back from it. But let me ask you this: I, you know, some people say. Um, like you're impervious to pain or you don't feel pain. I mean, that's not true, right? You feel pain. You're just able to, you just have a higher pain tolerance. Is that, is that accurate? Uh, yeah. But for someone, what could be pain would be nothing for me. It's just a difference. Uh, the way, let's say, you know, sometimes they do that. If you're in an hospital or you get a surgery or you, for whatever reason, you, you, you're with a doctor, they will say, uh, tell me uh, from one to ten, where is your pain right now? Say so ten being the worst pain, and one being no pain. And so, if you if you look at my my parameters compared to anyone else parameters, they they will never match because uh, I have a high tolerance to pain. It's just it's almost if I don't feel the pain that much. You know, I've I've had like very serious, like pretty crazy injury. Like I remember one time I was uh, shooting, we were shooting a video for uh, Monday night uh, PCO and Destro. And as I'm pushing through the windshield of the hearse to, to break through so the monster doesn't open the door, he just busts out the windshield and goes out from the front, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing that and I, my old, like basically the, the, the windshield broke through and my, my leg went through and it cut basically the three quarter of my ankle was like, like in a circle, like you, like it was uh, 18 stitches, I think all together. And I was bleeding like, and I wanted to finish the video after that. We had to uh, shoot another scene in Destro's house, and his wife was going crazy. He's going to empty up from his blood. He's going to empty up. Go to the hospital right now. I said, no, we've done all of this now. Not 
not to finish the video. We've got to finish the video. We've got to shoot that last scene before I go to the hospital. And you could see, barely you could see my bone inside. Oh, I my wasn't, God. I, I wasn't feeling any pain. And then I went to the hospital and the guy told me, he said, I cannot freeze you because the gap is too wide and it's not going to affect you. You know, I cannot uh, put any stuff to, I'm going to have to go and just do the stitches like straight up like that. And I said, go ahead. And I was not feeling any, I mean, I would, I would feel the needle go through with, with the, you know, with the cord and everything, but uh, I, I didn't. I mean, he did like the 18 stitches, and I was not supposed to walk for like two months, and I had a match against Mark Briscoe in Florida 13 days after that injury. Wow. And, and the doctor said, no, you cannot walk for the next two months. I said, I will be in Florida next week. <laughs> I'm not missing a match. And it's just the way I am. You are, I mean, I have to say, you are amazing. I mean, you really are. Like, people talk about in this business living the gimmick. And I don't know that there's another, any greater example of that than you. I mean, you play this, you know, PCO, what we see on TV is this fantastical, you know, uh, monster type character. But in real life, um, as, as, you know, just from the stories you've told so far, like you really are, you really do have this incredible pain tolerance and, and just ability to come back. I'm going to knock wood for you, knock wood to come back from yeah. injuries. And I just made my dogs bark by that knock. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to ask you this. So at what age did you realize, um, I'm a little bit different than everybody else when it comes to pain? Were you, were you a young man when you had this realization? Yeah, I was really young. I was really young because, uh, I remember when I was, I remember when I was maybe nine or ten. We, uh, we would build like you know little cars, you know, for kids, you know, like you buy the wheels at Walmart, and then you know you buy some plywoods, and then the, you make the, that little car there where people are pushing you in the back, and then you drive, and then sometimes you have races. But in, instead of racing, like we did a few races, but I didn't like race that much. But I was always a driver. And uh, so in front of our like little car, and, like it's very small though, like, like for kids, but it was all wood made, like it, it was made by us basically with, with nails and hammers and screws and drills. And um, we would put weapons in front, like real weapons, like, uh, let's say, uh, a net pole for, you know, for, for the flies on the pool, but I would take the net out and just have the pole in front of the car and the other car would be the same ways. And, you know, we have like very dangerous thing and we would bump into each other until like the, the other guy was scared and would quit because he would get injured. Like he'd get like, uh, a pin or a pole or a shovel in the legs, you know, that was like drilled in front of the car. And uh, we would just, just bang each other and until like there was no more competition. So, or, or if example, like, you know, another example of how our daredevil I was, 
uh, I, I was like living in a new development of houses uh, in my street and the, the street wasn't finished yet. So it was like, it had cut off, like it was four, four foot going down and then you had like all kinds of dirt and, uh, and rocks and things like that because they needed to finish the road. So I would take a bet with all my friends that I would run my bicycle full speed and, and jump there and, and go over the, the handles or whatever and just ended up on my back. So that was even before my wrestling career that I was doing like crazy things like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine as a kid when you're growing up, um, no one in the neighborhood is going to want to get into a fight with you because how do you, how do you fight a guy who, you know, just has such a high pain tolerance and is a, I'm sure you were, I mean, you're a big guy. I'm guessing you were probably a big kid as well. No, I was a small kid. I was oh, really? a small kid. Yeah. 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 I developed on, I only developed when I was like 15, like 15, 16. Then I was, maybe I weighed about one. 70 175 i started working out at 16 and then then i had like a, a decent physique at 16 but uh and 10 11 12 13 14 i used to play hockey uh in my area in montreal and i was one of the smallest kid on the ice so i was i was not physical at all like uh i was but i i, I was not afraid of anything but uh I was uh, I was not one of the big kids. Like I could I couldn't have, saying this like that. I couldn't have been a bully, like because I was not over strong to compare to the other kids. Right. But I wouldn't I would never let nobody bully me though. Like yeah, I could imagine. I mean, I would think they would find out pretty quickly, regardless of your size or, or whatever. At that point, that um, you can't. <laughs> man, it's tough to hurt this kid. So probably not a good idea to test it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I said, you know, when you take some of these big bumps, you know, we cringe watching it. Well, let me ask you this. You have a daughter, I know, who's, what, 12 years old? Yeah, yeah, she turned 12 on uh, November 4th, yeah. Now, does she watch you? Does she watch your matches? And if so, what are her reactions to, to dad putting himself through this, uh, you know, these incredible bumps and taking all this punishment? Uh, sometimes she's scared if, uh, if other people are asking her while she's with me, she's never going to say anything, but, uh, I always explain to her, you know, that I know what I'm doing and, uh, that, but not to be scared or anything like that, but that she has that mentality that <laughs> because sometimes she's going through some tough times or some injuries or something like that. And I'm trying to tell her like, just to tough it up. And she just says, yeah, it's easy for you to say you're a wrestler. Like in her mind, it's because I'm a wrestler that I don't feel pain. So no, it's easy for you to say you're a wrestler. But I said, no, when I was a kid, I wasn't a wrestler. <laughs> and I remember when she broke her arm or when she, she, you know, a few times like she fell or something like that. And I'm like, come on, just don't baby up on this, you know. So she's, uh, yeah, she's really girly, my daughter. So... Uh, it, it looks rough for me to say that to her, but <laughs> it's, 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 it's not too bad. It brings, it brings like, uh, the needle right in the, uh, you know, the, the middle of the scale. Like she's, she's very girly and I'm very tough. So if being tough on her a little bit, just bring us right into 
a balance mode. Right. <laughs> right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Balances everything out. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you about the, um, we talked about, you know, ROH's return recently. Uh, being inside the bubble, because that's, that's what we had to do. You know, we took six months off because of the pandemic, only came back when we deemed it was safe and we took all these uh, precautions, multiple COVID tests beforehand, and then being in the bubble for almost a week. What was that like? For me, it's uh, very easy uh, because I'm the type of person that uh, when I drove, uh, I remember when I drove from uh, Montreal to Louisiana in 2018 uh, for a match, a match against uh, against Walter. I uh, I drove 40 hours straight and with new music, and I never stopped for 40 hours. So the not human thing goes way beyond just taking bumps. You know, I uh, I I can do things like I can drive, like you know, like the running, the run that I did. I I, I run uh, 45 miles for 24 hours. So there's no sleep in there, you know. So basically, uh, you know, I'm good uh, by myself. You know, I don't I don't need uh, necessarily, I, I enjoy company, but I don't necessarily need company. I don't even open up my TV. I don't turn on my TV once I'm in the bubble. I, I basically just it's reading or I really enjoy the silence, being alone with myself and thinking. I really enjoy that. So, uh, so for me, it's like a, a way to it's like a long meditative time, you know. It's uh, I I can reflect on my future, my past, uh, where I want to go, where I'm at. I bring a lot of uh, of uh, papers. I write a lot, uh, you know, my goals, my what I want to achieve in the next week, in the next month. Uh, I don't know. I journal pretty much in my day to day life, so. Basically, I just emphasize more on my journaling and uh, and just keeping track of everything that I do every day, basically. So uh, it's, uh, it's like a time where I can think about myself and I can prepare and I can concentrate for the tasks that are coming ahead, which would be like promos and matches. So I enjoy those, those mm-hmm. bubble times. Well, yeah, it sounds me, like, yeah, it sounds like, me, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's not, it is like a, a good relaxing time where it's like, you know, almost a pause on a crazy life, the day-to-day, go pick up my daughter at the, the, the school, bring her back for such and such time, back in the morning, such a, get up early for training and run around all the time and, and do things. So it's uh it's a blessing for me, you know, something that I enjoy a lot. And also what I do enjoy about the bubbles, because there's not, there's a lot of negative sides and I can't wait to go back to normal. But since that we're there, I'm trying to find some positive about it. And the positive thing that I like, it's like, okay, you know, your match will start, let's say, at 11 a.m. or at 3 p.m. And... So you never get rushed by 
if something goes wrong or something gets shortened up or something is stretching up or someone can be there because he's got a promo to to shoot and uh, you feel like okay you know everything's going to be rushed at the last minute so it, it gives us a more um, organized for us it's easier to organize everything uh with that system of the bubble right so yeah obviously like you said you took a, a situation that's Maybe not the most fortunate situation, but you made the best of it and uh, used your time productively. But I got to go back to something. Did you? Did I hear you correctly that you used to drive forty hours straight, no breaks, back and forth? Yeah. Oh my. God. And I and I did another another run that I did was with the distro. We uh, were doing, we were working for a promotion in Pittsburgh, and uh, we're, we're shooting a lot of promos. And we have to to bring a lot of stuff from Montreal, and we can we can board that in the plane. So we we drove uh, 12 hours to Pittsburgh. We shot videos for eight hours, and we came back for 12 more. No sleep, no nothing. We just just uh, driving, getting there, shooting all the videos, and driving right back. The same all at once. No hotel, no break whatsoever. I think I like to uh, caluster my mind on challenges. I like to to do things that I don't like to do and do them just to just caluster my mind. Just when just something goes wrong, something doesn't go your way, you just have that that mental toughness, I guess. Uh, I just love to do that to impose myself so many disciplines that that I don't like and just force myself to do them. Well, I'll tell you the next time I have to make a, a three or four hour drive and I, and I'm going to complain about it. I'm going to think about what you just told me about the 40 hour drive and I'm going to shame myself into uh, making the drive and not complaining. And, and I'm going to try no music, just like you said. I'm going to see if I can be alone in the car. With- <laughs> you can, you can, yeah, try that. Yeah, uh, because the thing you have, you know, looking backwards, uh, I had just like started back not too long ago in this, and coming back into business. And, uh, uh, you know, those company those companies didn't have like much money to offer back then, just maybe an opportunity. And... You know, maybe a lot of guys at my age uh, or with my level of experience or whatever would have said, you know, screw it. You know, if you, if you can't, if you can't fly me there, screw it. You know, right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. But, but I knew for me that was a huge opportunity. And uh, I, I just felt that this, it was a challenge and it was uh, something very challenging. And I just felt at that time that was uh, the thing to do. And it's not one day that uh, I have regretted. No. One of the things that you did during Ring of Honor's hiatus was a web series called PCO Justice, which um, I, I rec- highly recommend to people if they haven't checked it out. And they can find it, I know, on your uh, on Twitter. Um, these videos are something else. I mean, this is like a movie that you yeah. and Destro and others are involved in. Could you just tell me, you know, for those who aren't familiar, tell us about the PCO Justice web series. Well, you know, we uh, for 
that's another thing. Like when I say discipline and, and callous through my mind and force myself to do something, when I've, I've started to do videos, that was in 2017. And I've produced, I made a video every Monday night since then. And I never like skip a Monday without presenting a video. And um, so at first we did a lot of, uh, you know, feats uh, of strength and uh, some, you know, just something like pretty crazy, you know, like uh, uh, jumping off a cliff or just showing like PCO was not human, like different ways, you know, with weights, with uh, decks of cards or, you know, bending nails or, or getting my mouth stapled because I'm Frankenstein and yeah. uh, the, the movie was like that. So, so we've done a lot of that for two and some years. And after a while, you, you know, you feel like you have to change the, uh, not reinvent, but you know, there's so much that you can do that you would have to restart doing them, but in, in a more recent date. So I, I, I decided that we were going to shoot a movie, but instead of shooting the whole movie at once, we would shoot like two minutes and 20 seconds on Twitter every Monday. And then eventually with the times, like keeping my, my mode of one video per Monday and with the time, you know, we're going to get an hour and 33 minutes and it's going to add up to a movie. So, uh, uh, so it's, uh, it's PCO. He's not human, but more with, you know, almost like in the ring where I've got like, if, if you look at my pain tolerance, people would say he's got uh, superpowers, but, uh, or, you know, when I get, uh, uh, jump start with the car battery with the jumper cables by by destro or you know I'm getting the shocks or the electricity and things like that so we we took that that approach where PCO is going to be like a superhero like Batman or Superman and uh, and uh, so just making justice and making sure that everybody is taken care of. That's what the series is all about. The movie is all about. It's a movie, but it's, 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 it's shots like it's a web series. And, uh, and that's it. That's, it's all about justice. Every time there's a crime and PCO's there, he's solving the crime and he's making the, <laughs> the bad people pay for their crime. And, Sometimes it could be a little rough, could be gore a little bit, you know, and uh, and then sometimes it's it's more of a, a regular way. But it's it's always you know it's always if PCO is like uh, stuck somewhere and uh, with chains or whatever, and then this joke can go uh, way high, high up on a electric pole and get some electricity and then shoot shoot some electricity at him and then. They breaks through the wall, breaks through the chain. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Uh, and, uh, so it's basically, you know, just making sure like, uh, all the good peoples are taken care of and, uh, all the villains are, are, you know, getting eliminated or getting to jail. And, um, 
we've we've made a nice, I think, a very nice screenplay, which is pretty entertaining, and uh, it really looks like a. I would say I would compare that to the 1970. <laughs> Not that I would remember that much, but then I look at them, and then we we kind of based our our production on that, those old Batmans, you know, the 1970 yeah. something. I can't remember the name of the actor, but where the logo was spinning and the, you know, the, sometimes like the, the effects, the VFX were there cheesy a little bit. So <laughs> we're touching that nostalgia of, yeah. of back in the days, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember the one that were in a boat, you know. <laughs> so yes. it's really it's really Batman-ish, but uh, adapted to 2019, 2020, you know, uh, to to the to the what's going on, you know, yeah, uh, on, on the in the world right now. So it's 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 adapted to the present time, but uh, kind of filmed like if it was in the eighties or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely got that bat. I see what you're saying. It's uh, Adam West is the. Actor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pretty much Adam West uh, type of deal. Yeah. 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 Again, I would highly recommend it. It's very entertaining. Um, at PCO is not human is your Twitter handle. So that's where you can find these, uh, these videos PCO justice. And also um, with the uh, IGTV on my uh, PCOs Not Human on the uh, also Facebook and Instagram because with, with Instagram now you can have longer video which is kind of kind of cool that you don't have to you know uh, be in that one minute frame anymore so uh, yeah so it's all over the place and on on my uh, YouTube page at uh, Pierre Carwell at PCO so, so it's uh it, it's like it's cool for YouTube because. Uh, it's not like uh, a platform that I use a lot, but I think it, uh, it creates the, uh, can always go back to see it, you know, and it's, 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 uh, historically, you know, everything is there. So that's what I like about YouTube. It's, it's almost like hardware uh, where you can have all your memories you put on. So there's a lot of matches and, and uh, you know, matches, which have the rights on them, and uh, you know, basically all the the Monday Night PCO Industrial Feats of Strengths and the uh, PCO Justice episodes are all on my my YouTube channel. Let me ask you this question then, because this really is the PCO Justice is a movie, as you said. It's for 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 putting it on Twitter, you've cut it into small uh, episodes, but again, it is shot like a movie. Do you have any acting? aspirations i mean we've seen other pro wrestlers certainly get into the acting uh business obviously dwayne the rock johnson at the top of the list there but yeah certainly yeah. others have, have done that is that something that you would like to do at some point absolutely absolutely you you hit it right on the nail uh i you know i'm i'm the type of guy that if if uh, uh i thought that would uh, help my uh you know keep my character uh, alive during the pandemic uh, and before the pandemic it was because it just it just got over so much that it got me booked all over the United States and Europe and then uh, I was like very very in demand before I got signed with Ring of Honor you know I got approached by all major companies and uh, and then 
you know, all the, the indie companies in the States, as of now, now I'm exclusive at Ring of Honor, I sign an exclusive contract, but uh, I've got so much, so many people uh, asking me to go and work for them. So it, 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 it was good for, for my wrestling career as well, but I'm the type of guy that, uh, you know, I just don't wait on things, you know, I make things happen. So I, I just thought, you know, um, taking the bull by the horns and just, just, you know, just doing it, you know, just being in the, in that mode and just, uh, so it's been a lot of, uh, indie films, uh, companies that are following me now on, on Twitter, a lot of like, you know, different actors, uh, small one, big ones, uh, you know, uh, it, it kind of shift my, uh, my followers, not just, uh, wrestling fans, but also like, uh, small movie producer or small podcast uh, movies, you know, that they, they've been asking me a few times if I want to do their podcast just to talk about the series, uh, the film. And uh, so I want to do a special red carpet presentation eventually. I want to do one in Montreal, uh, a special night at a theater, and I want to do one in L.A. And just to invite all the you know, the wrestling fans, the PCO fans, and, you know, everybody that that might want to be part of that big, you know, premiere <laughs> that, uh, that I'm going to do. Uh, and I think it's going to become a, a, a collector's item with the time. Like, uh, it's Christmas, Christmas time right now. I, uh, I just received a gift, and I was thinking about my the thing that I'm doing with PCO justice and I just got the, uh, which is cool. Cause I really uh, look into it a little bit, but, uh, blue demon and, uh, El Santo, the, yeah. uh, the El, El Santo was doing a lot of movies. I always kept his mask. So I think, you know, if I got that as a gift for Christmas, I think that PCO justice can become like, uh, you know, the first movie ever at <laughs> PCO, uh, <laughs> shot so uh, it, it kind of becomes a for you know like, like you know uh, Kevin and, and wrestling there's so many people that collect uh, photos uh, pictures or historical things and then they want it to be autographed or signed and uh, and and they're really the people that collections do collections they are really picky like sometimes I go to sign and a book or something where there's a photo of myself oh this one you sign with the blue marker this one with the red marker and this one is the the black marker they're really really like right on top of their game you know so <laughs> they take they take that very seriously yeah well i'll tell you what i think with this character that you have created this pco uh phenomenon that yeah, I could see movies. I mean, uh, the character lends itself to all kinds of platforms, graphic novels, comic books. Um, I could see a lot. There's such so much potential with this character. It's going to be fun uh, just to sit back and, and kind of see where you can take it. Uh, and what's, uh, what struck my attention also was that the last time that we did the UMBC Center, uh, uh, they did a uh, – you remember it was like a, the – 
a free kind of a some seats were free i don't know it was sold out it was totally crazy the atmosphere yeah and uh and roh they did a uh company did a uh a vox pop you know asking people who's your favorite wrestler and things like that and i was amazed by the number of kids who were pco fans you know like kids like literally six seven eight nine ten thirteen fourteen years old Uh, who's your favorite wrestler pco pco you know so i for me uh the the, the character is like is touches very very uh all kinds of generations like every generation the, the young kids is in, in the middle age and the older people which is very very cool well it's such a classic larger than life character that you've created And, and, you know, we keep using the word character, but part of the reason why it works so well is that, you know, you aren't just an actor playing a role, that this really is an extension of you. I mean, you really do have this incredibly high pain tolerance. You really yeah. do these insane, you know, death-defying moves. And so you've taken that real-life aspect of yourself and, and you've just amplified it uh, with, this, with this character. So, and that's why it works. And I think that's why it's, it's so believable and people believe it because it is real. It is who you are. So yes. again, and that's why I, yeah, it, it appeals to people of all ages, but certainly I can understand why kids would see this superhero like character. Um, you know, you're sort of an anti-hero in a way because you're, you know, you're a Frankenstein monster. You're sort of, you know, but then if anybody watches the old, you know, the original Frankenstein series, the Frankenstein movie, I should say, um, he was kind of a sympathetic character as well, even though he was quote unquote, a monster. Yeah. Uh, he, he was trying to do the best he could to, to get along in this crazy world. And that's, you know, very similar to what we see from PCO tries to do the yeah. right thing. Yeah. I uh, also, I, we, I based and we based and then, and that's has been like creative in that process too. Like he's been uh, bringing a lot of inputs into it, but uh, basically it all started when he saw me walking. Like I, I was doing like uh, something in a cage squat and uh, my, my arms were, were strapped. And when I got up, got off of those straps and I started walking, the way I walk, if you look at me like from, from behind, uh, it's, it's very freaking Frankensteinish, you know, it's very uh, almost like the, the monster walks in the movie, the 1931. Right. So that's, that's, that's when he had the flash, you know, that's, that's when he said, you are Frankenstein. Basically when he saw me, him being a young uh, kid, uh, a big monster lover as growing up as a kid, because he was afraid of a lot of things. So monsters would like kind of, uh, you know, make him feel safer. Uh, and uh, he, he really, really like went crazy about, stop walking you are frankenstein i'm telling you that's you you are in you know you're frankenstein like he went crazy on it and i didn't know much about it and then um and then the more i, I tried to discover the only aspect that i'm trying to change that i don't like in the movie it's like he's a he's um you could say that about pco because sometimes he tries things that he misses a lot of times in a row but also i think if you miss sometimes a lot of things in a row eventually you know it's like you can't how many times are you willing to fail before you're gonna hit it so it, it, there's a message in there as well you know it's like uh you know 
failure is, is just part of, uh, you know, let's say when I've, I've learned to do moonsault, uh, I couldn't do moonsault when I was uh, 30, 35, or 25 years old. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to fail so many times before I could get it right. So for a year straight, you know, I was going to the trampoline park and I would like scratch my face and fall off and land on my neck and just, just, it was, it took me some, it was a long time before I could like really moonsault so smoothly, you know, and uh, I fell so many times. So a lot of people would say, why do you keep on doing this thing when he misses all the time? But I know that eventually uh, someone will be brave enough to take it. <laughs> no, no. There's guys like, like Brody King or, or, or Mark Briscoes that, that won't hesitate you know, to, to take the, uh, the scent on from the top rope. But uh, I think a lot of guys are even scared of my moonsault because I, I don't know if I, I guess from what I from I'm, what I heard when the when they're talking to me like people that I've taken it like it's scary being under when when you see the moonsault evolving you know the big jump from the the top rope into just just flipping in the last second and, and crunching someone but it's it's not that bad it looks worse than it is yeah and I can only I imagine. I can only imagine being the guy on the mat having to look up. I think I just closed my eyes rather than look up and, and see yeah. you coming off. You would, be, you would be surprised that uh, a lot of guys aren't so sure about it, you know, and, and I've, I've, I've proved it time after time that, you know, uh, it's a safe, you know, it's, it's safe and I haven't injured no one with it. Uh, and it's the same thing with the sent on the on the side, you know. A lot of guys are are really afraid of it, but they, they shouldn't be that, 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 that much afraid, you know, because it's, it's a decent, you know, okay bump. Like most of the, the damage I take myself, you know? Right. So, yeah. So yeah, it's a, that's, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because I know uh, that I've missed that, that move a lot, you know, but uh, I'm, I'm confident. And I think it, it, that's the character as well. It's like, not because he misses something that he's going to stop doing it. You know, he knows that eventually, whatever it is, you know, it's going to pay off. <laughs> right. Yes. There's a, there's a positive. That's part of the message. Yeah. Part yeah, of the positive message. message. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of messages, we're going to have to, uh, that's a perfect segue. We're going to have to take a quick break here, but then we'll be back with more with PCO right after this. I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash Ring of Honor for Week by Week. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is PCO. Uh, there's one question I have to ask you before we go any further. Uh, we had Crowbar on this show about a month ago, and he told a fascinating story. I don't know if, if you're uh, 
if you know where I'm going with this. But yeah, exactly. I know where. <laughs> he's going back some, to it. Yeah, the camp. Yeah, he spent some time with you at uh, Dory Funk Junior's dojo back in the '90s. I guess it was yeah. in the, the mid to late '90s. Um, yeah, maybe early yeah, the '90s, but maybe '98 or yeah. '99. Near, near 2000, yeah. And, and I guess from, from the way he was telling it is is that you guys, everybody there had a chance to sort of be creative, uh, which we know just from this conversation with you so far that you're a very creative guy. But basically to create a character, uh, to come up with promos and, and kind of really do your own thing to uh, impress the coaches there. Yeah. And you came up with a character named Nataz, N-A-T-A-S. Yeah. And he was telling the story that all week you were cutting these promos and you had this book, the book of scoops and that that the boys were so like, they were all talking about like, where is this going? What is, what is this going to be when it's finally revealed? Uh, For those who didn't listen to that podcast, uh, just give us from, from your perspective, what was going on with Nataz and where that, where that ended up going. Oh, that was totally crazy. I mean, that that was cool. Like, I had, like, really a lot of fun doing that because I had a lot of fun doing it because, I mean, it was, like, a lot of guys there, you know, like Kurt Angle, uh, Dr. Death, uh, Steve Williams, uh, Crowbar, Paul Arndorf's son, uh, and, and uh, maybe, maybe we were, like, 15 or 20, and I don't know. And 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 uh, so I'm creating that character because I'm trying to build something that you know uh, would really be heelish, you know, would be like really like really heel. And basically, Nate as is Satan backwards, so which is pretty deep, you know, like pretty yeah. dark, pretty dark. Uh, and I'm I'm cutting those promos and like. I can see when I finish my promos that the guys in front of me, the 20 guys plus, plus Dory, plus other people, uh, executives, you know, from, from different companies and, and things like that. They're, they're like, they can't believe it. Like they, Dory Funk, like at the end of that camp says that ends down. I came up with the best promos that, <laughs> of the of the whole group, and you're talking about a very special group. Like when you know, Kurt Angle's probably one of the best. You know, he's, he's good on promos, so he was good. And there was a lot of other guys that were good, but he just people were just interested. You know, they I just I just got their attention, and uh, and it was just very entertaining. And I, I came up with a lot of ideas. I threw a lot of uh, good juice out there. And uh, I don't know. It's just uh, a lot of the boys that were there are still talking about it. Not just Crowbar, but <laughs> whoever that was there that I might see randomly, they, they'll, they'll bring it up all the time. So it was cool. And I was like... Uh, I was surprised that uh, nobody picked on that 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 character. That, that to me, like it was so weird to top, you know. So, but it was all great experience. By the way, I'm going to give you a, spo- a spoiler. Uh, Nate Taz will be back 
not me, but maybe someone else playing it, but he'll be back in PCO justice. <laughs> oh, that's great. I was going to ask you. I, was, yeah. I swear to God, I was going to ask you, will we ever see Nate? Because that is such a great character. Uh, the way It'll it was, be a short stint, but I just wanted to, uh, just to, you know, just so people will relate to that. People, it's an inside joke almost, but yeah. the ones that will know will know, and the ones who don't know, it's not going to change anything in the series. But uh, it's just going to be cool. It's just going to be a little hello to, to that that piece of uh, history there. So yeah, I had the uh, the presence of mind to just just uh, have that character back for you know a few minutes in the show. So it's going to be cool. Oh, that's outstanding! I can't. Wait. I, I will. I will pop for that for sure. <laughs> uh, so I guess the book of scoops from what crowbar told me now that ended up being was that the, was that the bible yeah <laughs> yeah well it's just uh yeah it was a bible but also uh where i lived uh at that time it was a newspaper and it was a very popular uh series called the scoops so uh which was about a newspaper that you know you would have all the the journalists fighting for scoops and things like that. So I was inspired by that and I was inspired by a little bit because um, I had been in Puerto Rico a few times. And at one point, uh, I don't know if you heard about this guy, but Steve Strong was like maybe the biggest driver on the Puerto Rican island like uh, of all time, I think. Uh, and he was like really strong with the 666 on the sides of the head, uh, on the haircut and things like that. And uh, right. people would really believe all that, that he was evil and that he was, you know, bad blood and things like that. So uh, I got inspired by, by the Sea Strong character, got inspired by that, that Tilly series that was really over in Montreal. And... Um, I got uh, inspired by uh, uh, the 316, which was going to be the opposite of 316, <laughs> the 666. <laughs> so I had my my one eight 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 my 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 uh, free phone line <laughs> dial free <laughs> for the scoops. <laughs> One uh, eight 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 uh, six 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 and eight does. <laughs> so, yeah. man, I tell you, if I was running a wrestling promotion back in those days, I tell you, Nataz would I, I would have signed up Nataz and, and put that on my promotion right away. But uh, I heard that Jim Ross was uh, he had an interesting reaction when when, when he saw Nataz. Is that is that accurate? I, I, I can't recall that. That's, okay. If he did, that's cool. Crowbar, I Crowbar basically said that Jim Ross – now, this is the Attitude Era, basically. Or, yeah. yeah, we're right in the middle of the Attitude Era, so obviously they're pushing the envelope. But Nataz pushed the envelope so much that apparently Jim Ross said, Jesus Christ, Carl, how am I going to put that on TV? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> ripping, up, ripping up Bibles and Satan. And yeah, but they, they, that's something that I wouldn't do again. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't touch a Bible like that again, but I was, I was so, so into it. It was not to disrespect the Bible, but I wanted to, I wanted to like, uh, really, uh, show, I don't know that that was basically willing to do like all kinds of things to, 
you know, to get this thing over because I really wanted like the the three sixteen and the six 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 to go at it. And uh and what had happened uh instead of that, like they took a bunch of my promos and they made it happen on TV. Like when you saw the Ministry of Darkness with uh I think that was uh, Stephanie on the cross. Yep. I mean that was one of my promos where I would I would have put uh, you know Austin on the cross you know in a in a with stipulation matches so so they they, they took a lot of, even though like they might have thought you know they thought like yeah, that's over the top that's too crazy we can't do that well they probably took like. 60% or 70% of all the ideas that I shot. <laughs> so, and, 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 and gave it to Undertaker, basically. Right. Yeah, the Ministry of Darkness, that, that incarnation of the Undertaker was probably the most uh, sinister, evil character that there's ever been in wrestling, even more than, you know, Kevin Sullivan, who was doing the satanic gimmick back in the day, and Steve Strong, who you mentioned. Yeah, and uh, if, yeah, you I, ask, if you ask Robar, he will tell you that they fed off the Nataz character. I believe it. I, I absolutely things. believe it because yeah, you mentioned putting Austin on a on a cross. They did that yeah. as well. They put him on the Undertaker's symbol, and they constantly refer. Oh, it wasn't a cross; it was a symbol. Even though obviously, yeah, but I think they did Stephanie McMahon on the cross. They did. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, during so, the so they took a lot of period. ideas. Yeah, absolutely. maybe the maybe the Bible was over the top. Maybe it should have been a fake one, you know. Right. But I didn't have a fake one. I just, uh, you know, like in every hotel room, you have one. I just, you know, I just felt like okay, um, you know, it's just going to be a prop, you know. But uh, maybe it's you know it's something that it's it's it's, it's too much, you know. So, yeah, and so maybe that's, that, and, that that's my mistake there, but. Uh, well, but easily they could have said, well, you know what? We love this character, but the let, we'll just lose the Bible part of it. And, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it still could have worked from there. But, yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. you were experimenting. And, look, you said you wanted to be, uh, you know, the you can't be a bigger heel than to basically be Satan or uh, yeah. emissary of Satan. So, uh, yeah, and, and especially when the, when the top guy at the time was, was like the, the – was over with the some of some things from the Bible, you know. So basically, exactly. not that I wanted to to play off the Bible itself, but I just wanted to show the contrast with good and evil. Even you know, yeah. that, that's basically what was the uh, the whole thing. But I but I guess also, you know, um, after after that, you know, I went through a phase like I couldn't believe that I was so. Because it was, it was so hyped up, you know, with Dory was so hyped on the promos and a lot of people were so hyped and the boys especially were so hyped on the promos and and uh, that I really thought that I would really get a, a fair, good break there. And and when I saw that they, they took a lot of ideas and uh, I don't know, it kind of... After that, well, I wanted a, a state of where I was really, really felt betrayed, and I felt that that's my own problem. Though I didn't have to feel that way, but uh, I had to work a lot on myself, you know, just to uh, just to 
just to take fully ownership of of everything that I've created in my life, you know, like uh, for a while I blamed it a lot on on different uh, people for not having success, and, you know, uh, you know, I felt like life was unfair towards me, and then once I kind of reversed the equation and I I took fully. Uh, fully responsible full responsibility for 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 everything else that happened in my life uh things started to switch around you know it took a while because i was uh, frustrated for a for a few years you know i was like uh in a anger mode and frustration mode and and uh you can't you can't have success when you feel like that that those are the worst feelings that someone can get, can have, you know, um, you, you have to be in accepting. It's, it's, it's weird to say things like that, but you have to be accepting things like it was a gift. You have to be, uh, easier said than done though. Uh, you have to be, you know, forgiving. You have to be open-minded and you have to be willing to, uh, if it's not working, the next one might work, and and just just go ahead and not be discouraged, and uh, just keep on 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 believing that things will happen eventually. Uh, and uh, I think uh, I I missed out on that. I was really frustrated. Right, but I think you know <laughs> it's a little pun here. We always say PCO isn't human, but of course you are human, and. Uh, and it's only humans, I think, to be frustrated or maybe to even be angry uh, with some of those situations. Uh, certainly, I, you know, speaking for myself, I know if I came up with something that was my creation that I thought was really creative and was really going to be great, and then it didn't happen for me, but then I see it being done with someone else, and I see so much of my uh, ideas being used by someone else, I think it's only natural that you would be frustrated, you would be angry. But I do think that you make a great point that holding on to that anger or bitterness or blaming other people, um, even if it's somewhat justified, ultimately isn't going to do you any good. And Yeah, yeah, you never win. Yeah, you're always on the losing end. Right. With an attitude like that, and, and very often I would say that on many podcasts, people are asking me so many things. So many things are, how can you be successful? How can you obtain this? How can you do that? Well, it's, it's not hard, but uh, I would say 99.9% .9 of the wrestlers, they eliminate themselves out of the equation by their actions or their deeds or uh, their negative thoughts or their uh, hatred or frustrations and things like that. Eventually, if it's going to be like this, but well, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, do something else or try somewhere else or, you know, um, yeah, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a game of uh, mental toughness and, um, and perse perseverance and, uh, and, and being like um, really staying focusing on the goal, even though all around you looks like you're so far away from that goal so it's uh, it's it's uh, you need to determine this mental strength well there's no question about it 
that's why I'm talking. I'm I'm trying to callister my mind on different things because I know it's so important in life. Well, and what you've proved is, I mean, you were playing the long game, and just because you didn't have the success that you wanted at maybe 30 or 35 or 40 or whatever age at the time it was, is that you know you're having the success now because. Yeah, I know you stepped away from the wrestling business for a period of years, but you've come back and you've reached heights that no one could have predicted. When, when you left the business in 2011 and you were out of it for about, I think, five years, uh, for all intents and purposes, your career was, was dead and buried. And that's why this resurrection story of this Frankenstein character it works on two levels. It works on this uh, almost you know, fantastical level of this character literally coming back to life, but it also is a metaphor for what you went through in your real life and your career was pretty much buried. And, and here you are now with more success, um, you know, than you probably ever could have, you know, I don't think anyone back in, in those days when you were, uh, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands or whatever, when you eventually you left the business, I guess, I guess in 2011, no one was predicting we were ever going to see a world championship run. Uh, from you at that point and you made it happen and uh, so I think that is a good lesson not that we want to get too preachy or anything but for people no, no. There, whether it's wrestling or whether it's anything else in life like yeah it's got nothing to do with being preachy or anything like that because right. it's just uh it's totally the when I I, I sidestep the, the wrestling business I needed to uh, refocus I needed to uh, I felt like I needed to work on myself in order to have success, not just on my skills in the ring, just not on taking crazy bumps, not just, uh, I feel like uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go with a percentage that might not be that percentage, it might be less, it might be more, but sometimes I say 90%, but I'll go with 80% of the success in the business, in the wrestling business. It's not all, it's outside the ring it's basically the uh, the personal development your your attitude the, the the way that you're you know you conduct yourself in different situations uh your professionalism uh your your uh, the aura that you bring around you and uh and also the, the capacity to have like you know to get over with the crowd so uh but all this, it's a, that's, that's why I felt like I needed to, you know, I've been working on myself for so many years, but in those years, it was really more, you know, trying to, to find, you know, what went wrong. And when I'm saying the, 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 the anger and all this, I know for a fact that those things uh, put me on a down spiral uh, brought me, you know, rock bottom, having those type of uh, feelings, emotions, and uh, that attitude. There's nothing good that can come out of that. That that I I'm, I proved it to myself, and I and then I kind of proved it the other way around when I I switch all that that mindset around, and then I really work on my own personal development and then uh, totally change my mindset. And that's when the, everything started to click. Right. Well, like I said, it's a great message for anybody out there listening, you know, whether they're aspiring wrestlers or whatever their, uh, their chosen profession is in life, whatever they aspire to do, 
um, it's, it's your, your life story is, um, is, is certainly uh, something I think people can learn from. But you've talked, I know, uh, many times on, on a lot of different podcasts about, and I don't want to cover a lot of old ground with it because you have talked about it so much, was, you know, you, you ran afoul during your time in WWF of the click, Diesel, Kevin Nash, uh, Shawn Michaels, Scott Hall, Triple H, uh, X-Pac was in the group at that point. Um, again, I'm not going to ask you, but I mean, we, we've talked, I know you've talked about it many, many times, but what I do want to ask you about is you actually worked with Kevin Nash like 15 years later. Um, and I'll just, just to set it up for those who don't know, basically in 95, when he was champion as Diesel, uh, you guys were going to, you had a match in Montreal and the idea was to do a, a non-finish, a double count out so that you could then bring it back in a return match. And well, that, that's kind of wrong a little bit, but oh, I'll go ahead. I'll no, correct go ahead. You please, on the details. Please, no, no, please, no. Go, go okay. do the whole story and I'll correct you at the okay. due places. Okay. So that's, so, so that was one thought. The other thought, and I, you know, we've heard the story from various different people who were there or their interpretation was that either Kevin Nash was talked into it by Shawn Michaels or whatever it was that he thought, well, you don't want to do a job for the champion and you should, you know, jackknife, one, two, three, you're done. And, of course, you can't bring a return match back if you lose clean. So you ended up doing a double count out. Um, but what I want to talk about, first of all, you can correct me on, on the particulars of that. But what I want to get to eventually is you did work with Kevin Nash in 2009 on a show in, in Montreal. So I guess my question would be, like, 14, 15 years later, what was that like? Was it just like, hey, man, that's ancient history. Let's go do business. Was it I, think it was, I, I think it was crazier for him than for me. Okay. For me, uh, for me it was time for um, more or less uh, redemption, like just, just to be cool with him, just to, to apologize sincerely to, you know, to my, my bad actions in, in the past. And I will tell you uh, exactly what happened and why I say bad actions, but it wasn't it was bad actions, but also it was bad blood, you know, between the two groups, you know. So uh, the, the the thing is, and uh, I have to go a little bit in history because uh, just before I started my 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 pirate character, my I had a, a meeting with with Vince, and uh, he said that. Um, you know, we'll do retention, you know, like you, you're going to start, you know, you're going to be advertised for Louisiana and we'll, we'll not, we're not going to put you in the, uh, the Montreal forum for two, three years and people will want to see you. They will want to see you. They will want to see you. And eventually we'll give them, we'll give you to them, but it's going to take like two, three years. And, you know, I got out at the office and I was pretty excited about the whole thing. And, and, uh, and things like that, because they had switched a lot of ideas on the character, you know, that, that was my idea, but it wasn't supposed to be like that, but I'm not going to stretch on that, that those factors because they're not important, but it was supposed to be like two to three years outside, uh, just working the States before I come back. So the people would really want to see, uh, PCO or the feedback then. And, um, so eventually I got a phone call out of nowhere. Vince is calling me home. And he goes, uh, uh, RRS got injured, and 
that was in 94, that right after that I did the retirement match with uh, Jacques Rousseau retirement match when I, we wrestled on top of the, we were the main event on top of, you know, Bret Hart, Undertaker, uh, Jim Neidhart, uh, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, Diesel, like everybody was on the card and we're the main event and we stole the show and uh, Vince was on end and everybody was there and it really created like a big buzz about, you know, ECU could, you know, could be a main event status, you know, for for the company. So I was really tight with with, with Vince, and uh, so he said that you know we're not going to bring you in Montreal uh, before two or three years. And then uh, then he calls me up and he goes, uh, "IRS got injured." He said, "I would need you to replace him for a show in Montreal against Sean." And uh, so I showed up, and then. So they said, okay, we're gonna, we wanna put Sean over and things like that. I hadn't started my character yet. So, uh, so I got a phone call from Jacques and I'm, I'm 25 years old, I'm pretty young. I, I really don't know what's good, what's not good. And I'm kind of, it's kind of big, everything that's happening to me, you know, it's like, it's, ah, but because that retirement match in Montreal, like it really, it, it went, it really boosted my ego a lot because, you know, I was so over, like, everybody was talking about that. It was on the news all the time. It was the hockey strike, the baseball strike. So it was all about uh, about me. And then uh, I'm having that great match and I'm having that great conversation and I'm having that great uh, project for future for, for Lafayette. And then I'm supposed to, to lose again, Sean, and I'm – I just questioned Sean. I just go, Sean, do you think it's good? You know, I'm, I'm having, and then Jock's telling me on the phone, if you lose, you're finished in Montreal. You're going to be a jobber. You know, this is going to be the worst thing for your career. So I'm kind of confused. So I kind of ask Sean if it's good, you know, that I lose to him. And he's very insulted because he says, I, 30 guys just put me over in a Royal Rumble. Now you're asking me if it's too much or, you know, so, you know, because I almost like I didn't want to put him over, but I decided to put him over and we had a hell of a match. But I felt that Sean got insulted that, that night. And then, so I'm starting the Lafitte character three months after that. And I'm undefeated for eight months. So I feel like, okay, that scratch there with Sean where I job for him, but I ask him if I should. And I see that he doesn't like that. I'm, I'm feeling that it didn't hurt me in my on my parkour. So um, I'm traveling with Triple H because he's new to the business. Uh, we're both undefeated for the same amount of time. So we're the, you know we, we got the longest winning streak at that time. And eventually, at a TV taping, Nash comes up to me, and he goes. In November or whatever the month it was, October or November, it's me and you, brother, and it's big boot jackknife one, two, three. And I never heard like a finish called up two, three months ahead of time. It was right. my first time ever. And and that really like got me really pissed off because the three years retention wasn't there anymore because it's it wasn't it was just eight months and I was already back at the forum and the those guys who had like super huge attitude that you know 
just walked up to me and just with so much arrogance saying like big boob jack knife that I got super insulted. And I started talking with other guys about what happened and everybody's like, you know, they like to steer the plot and a lot of things. So I got worked up and then when the show came in, I told, uh, that's why, that's where I'm saying, you know, we sabotage ourselves most of the time. And sure. I went up, I went up to Diesel and I said, I'm not doing the favor for you tonight. If I have to do that, I'm going home. And, uh, and then Sean was super agitated. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wanted to, you know, hit me with the uh, intercontinental belt and the, it was a mess. You know, it was a big yelling, and, uh, and uh, Diesel felt the 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 need to uh, to beat me up in the ring, basically to save face, you know. And because uh, it was sold out at the curtain, anyways, so everybody wanted me to, you know. And I think that got even Undertaker confused because. He didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. Like basically, why all this would happen? It was not. It was a long story. It started in '94 between me and Sean. Right. And then, then it was, you know, just a follow-up of that in 1995. And uh, nobody knows that. Well, let, let me had, let me let me interrupt for one second. Just what was. Um, what did the office want to do? Like, what was the fin- Was the idea to go in and do a match that would lead to a return in Montreal? Was the idea from the office, like, let's not no. have Diesel go over one, two, three, because then we can't come back with it? Or what, what did they want to do? No, they wanted me to do, to, to, to do the job. Okay. Like, yeah. And I changed it. Like, and uh, that, that really hurt my career big time. After that point on, like it was never the same. You know, it's uh, every time I would have a conversation, they would bring that up. Yeah, but with Diesel, you know, and and that's why when he came in Montreal in two thousand nine, I believe, and he wanted to put me over and he wanted to make me look good and things like that. And uh, we hung out that day. We hung out that night. We. Uh, we we spent a lot of time together and uh and that was really really cool you know to 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 really not just saying it but to really bury the hatchet and to to really have fun together and uh, really enjoy his jokes and to enjoy his company and uh and then after that he's been online so many times and he's been putting me over quite a lot and uh and uh, the kid too uh, but most of my eight was with Sean and, and Kevin. I didn't have, maybe I had like collateral damage with, with Razor and, 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 the, and the kid or, right. or Triple H, but I never had like real heat with them directly. You know, it was just because of what happened with, with Sean and Diesel, basically, that was collateral damage heat. But, uh, that was a huge, huge mistake on my part, you know, on both nights, uh, the first night I did the job, but just to just to bring up that question was was a huge mistake. Right. 
funny because and, and I can't blame it on my former partner for saying because uh, he wanted me to go with him to WCW. So I could blame it on him, but at the end of the day, I'm responsible for my own life. I'm responsible for my own decision. I could put it on the age factor that I was 24, which I think, you know, it's very young uh, to suddenly get tons of money, get tons of attention to be uh, all over the world and to be, you know, three times with tag team champions, to be undefeated for eight months. That's a huge push, you know, that's, that's huge. And, and, and then, and when you're young like that, you don't know much about ego. You don't know much about, you know, staying humble and things. You know, because I was all that before my push happened. But eventually I felt like my, my feet lift off the ground by, by themselves. It's like I felt like I was a total different person without even not noticing. It's just like for me, I was always the same guy. But for my family and for my friends, I suddenly started to be different, you know. And uh, I think at a young age, a push could do that to you, you know. Sure. I mean, look, it's a it's a ego driven business, and uh, yeah, you were younger at the time, and you know, full of piss and vinegar, and you know, obviously the click they were also. But, but I've seen uh, I've seen uh, them do refusing to do jobs, you know, right? Whether it's Sean or Diesel or Brad, I've seen other guys refusing to do jobs, like we know about the Montreal Screw Jobs, you know. Sure, there, it, it did happen. In different areas of, of, of the sport, uh, different period of times, uh, historically, it's not, it's not the first time that something like that happened. You know, I, I think uh, Rowdy Piper never wanted to put Hogan over. That's of right. His, of his whole career. So I, I don't, but for me personally, looking backwards, I know it was mistakes, you know. I, I know they were big mistakes, but as long as I couldn't admit that to myself, I could hate on the click and I could hate on Vince and I could hate on whatever it was. Basically, everything surrounding me, I could hate on it. But I was my, you know, I created that, that problem myself. Right. And that's a sign right there that you can look back on that of, of, of personal growth, of maturity, that yeah. you can look back on things now. You know, hopefully we all end up a little bit older and wiser uh, as, as time goes on. And, and you can look at it with a different perspective. And I'm sure those guys look at it with, may look at it with a different perspective, too. At the time, you know, you're, you're living in it. You're in the moment. And there's so yeah, and also things. now what makes it easier now, it's like we're not competing against each other anymore. Right. You know, we're, we're not competing for such and such thing or whatever. So, because it's a very competitive world, you know, whatever yeah. it's 2020 or, or 1995, it's the same uh, competitive, uh, you know, world, you know, it's, uh, it's based on, on, you know, popularity, uh, getting pushed and, and things like that. So it's the nature of the business itself. So it's, a, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's how the business is made. So you know, to be able to, to gravite, I mean, graviting, I mean, to, to, to just evolving around uh, 
business and to uh, to avoid those big traps, you know, whatever they are, you, you need a lot of uh, a lot of wisdom, I'd say, because yeah. I because I because to this day to this day, uh, I won't name any names, but I know guys that if I go up to them and I ask him. Uh, what do you think of the business? They would say to this day, my guy might be 65, it might be 70, whatever. And, and, and if, you, if you watch a lot of podcasts, you've seen a lot of frustration from different guys and they hate on different bookers and they hate on different agents and they hate on different reason why they didn't have the career that they were supposed to have you know, that they had planned for themselves and, and they always blame it on other people. And, and, and that's almost like a crime to ourselves to, to be thinking like that. For sure. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, setting the record straight. I had heard another wrestler, it may have been Shane Douglas, I don't know, uh, yeah. on an interview, basically telling it from the his perspective of it was, and I guess, you know, we're talking about something that happened over 20 years ago. So people remember things differently. Was that? No, but Shane, I could see Shane uh, point of view because Shane had a lot of uh, issues with them. Yeah. Like they, they buried them so, right. so badly. Like they, it was what they did to him was like inhuman in a way that yeah. Like, oof, it was tough what they did to him. It was really tough. So they, they did a lot. And they, they would be the first one to admit, I think, today that they were they were doing things that were really, uh, you know, career broken or very sure. you know, well, I think bad, it's... bad intentions and things like that. And, and in my mind also, I felt like at that time and point uh, during those years, I felt like Vince had lost control over the company that they were calling the shots now so yep. that that was my my vision because I, I felt like in between them they they had all the power uh between those you know, four or five guys so you know they had all the belts to themselves and uh, they were using a lot of leverage to to you know get the guys that they wanted to get and to push other guys they didn't like. Yeah. The cliche of the, the inmates running the asylum was, was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, was pretty accurate at that point. Um, which is surprising uh, that Vince would allow something like that to, to go on. But uh, I think it's interesting though, that you and Kevin, Kevin Nash eventually, you know, did bury the hatchet. You were able to work together in 2009. He put you over. Um, and you said you enjoyed each other's company and it was, you know, it was, everything was all good. My question is HBK, Shawn Michaels. You said that was the that was the original, that's where the heat started. Yeah. Did you ever have a conversation with Shawn ever after that where you guys buried the hatchet? Yeah. Yeah. I was uh I was in England and I was supposed to meet with John Laurinaitis for a uh a dark match and I was also supposed to end him like a uh, a scenario for for a big main event at WrestleMania. And uh, John Laurinaitis had like uh, some personal affairs to intend, so he couldn't make the trip in England. I was already in England, that's why I was meeting with, because I had, I was communicating, communicating, I was in communication with, with, with John by email, but he didn't 
prevent me that he was not gonna that he didn't know show basically for family reasons or whatever. So I still showed up at the arena and my package, my scenario all written down. And um, I was supposed to talk to John and get a tryout match that night. So finally, nobody was there. So I went up to Sean. <laughs> and then uh, we had a long conversation. And he took my package. And he said, I'm, I'm going to make sure that, that package goes in the right hands. And then they spoke, spoke to Vince. And uh, I had a match against uh, Tommy Dreamer that night. So, uh, so everything that he, he said to me, he did. So to me, from that point on, I mean, he proved, you know, that all the past was behind him. So uh, a lot of people say Sean hasn't changed that much, but for me, uh, he proved that he had changed quite a lot. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. It's glad that, uh, you know, all those years later, that there could finally be closure uh, on everyone's part. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take our second break. And then when we come back, there's still more to talk about. We're going to talk about the ROH uh, run that we've got so far that you're into for about, it's been, what has it been now? Uh, two years that you've been in ROH? I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting my third year. Starting your third. Wow. Time flies. It seems like just yesterday you were showing up at the, uh, 2300 arena <laughs> yeah 2018 but we're going to talk about that when we come back right after this experience the show that's thrilling critics and fans roh tv the reviews are in it's completely different than anything in pro wrestling i enjoyed every minute of this show roh tv delivers valiant saint raves take my money this was awesome Join the ROH stars for the hashtag WatchROH Watch Party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is the former Ring of Honor World Champion, PCO. Uh, before the break, I, I alluded to the fact that we're going to talk about your, uh, your Ring of Honor run. But I want to go back a second in what preceded that run, which was uh, a match that you had with Walter. In uh, New Orleans, it was on Game Changer Wrestling, WrestleMania weekend, uh, April of 2018. And it's funny or ironic that it was on Game Changer Wrestling because that match turned out to be a game changer for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, that match, I mean, did you have a sense at the time that this thing with Walter was going to open up all the avenues that it did for you and get, get so much attention? It was like, without a shadow of a doubt, that was like, I never had a strong feeling that I had that feeling. That's why I, I didn't mind the drive there. Because I knew this was going to change everything. I knew, and, and I've told Walter before the match, I said, I, I told him, I said, for you, it's just another match during, you know, the WrestleMania weekend. But for me, it is my WrestleMania match. And I want you... I'm hoping that you will perform uh, at the the best of your capabilities. That that uh, you know the best of your talent, and uh, and he said that he would, you know, and he did. And uh, and I, I was lucky that I had a a match with Walter in 2008, I think, in Germany for WXW. I didn't even remember that. 
And I remember when Joey uh, Janela was talking to me about that match with Walter. I said, who's Walter? It's not that big German guy, Austrian guy. I said, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know him. And I had I had wrestled him in WXW when he was like 16 or 17. Wow. Yeah. And that, that match that we had kind of created that chemistry that we needed because if it would have been the first time ever, maybe with Walter, maybe it created a little bit of more uh, sense of security, a sense of, okay, I know, you know, the guy was cool. You know, the guy had a great attitude. And, uh, and many times, you know, people think, you know, uh, 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 no, a win or a lose doesn't change much in, in the wrestling business. But the only thing that I was sure of, it's like, whatever they would ask me to do, you know, I was going to do. You know, if I needed to lose, I was going to lose. If I needed to win, I would, I would, I would gladly take that, you know. And uh, the whole time they've been telling me that I was going to lose because uh, he was a PWG world champ. And then by the time that I got there, I think he had dropped the title a week or two ago. And then promoters all look at each other and they said, well, I would like to get PCO over. And... Uh, and you know, so it's it's been like that. Like since my return, basically, I I just have been going with whatever life is offering me. You know, I haven't put pressure on anything, which is I, which is kind of not what I've learned uh, on my prior years in the business. You know. Uh, Let's say if I go back in WWE, I remember like how many times we went in Vince's office and then how many times that I was, I heard Jock asking for when are we going to get the belts, you know? So, you know, growing up in the business, I mean, not my younger years because, you know, uh, there's no, there's not so much business to be doing like if you go in South Africa for three weeks you know you're going to put the South African guys over if you go to Germany you know you're going to put the German guys over right. whatever whatever it is like and same thing when you do the indies well you're moving around the country basically to put the local guys over you know uh, that's, that's just business as usual uh, but when you're with a promotion for a long time you know you hear a lot of stories you know guys you know going on this or on that conditions or whatever oh, whatever people do for the way they they're dealing their money or they're dealing their spot or whatever it's very different for everybody i guess but uh the since i come back i've i've never put any pressure on anything you worked with Walter, I know, a couple times after that as well, uh, after that uh, match WrestleMania weekend. What, what is it like being in the ring with a guy like that who is 
obviously is very stiff. Um, is that, I, I would imagine a guy like you, we talked earlier about how some guys might be afraid or not afraid, but uh, hesitant to take certain moves that you do. But I would imagine with Walter, uh, he's a guy of a similar mindset as you. Well, he's, he's mostly, uh, most of his reputations are first uh, is chops. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, the, what he represents in the ring, you know, he's got a great uh, aura around him. I think when he walks out as the general of the ring, whatever, uh, good presentation, the face, you know, and the, the way, the way he, he plays his character. And, um, but he's got like basic stuff, but he's very physical, you know, and, uh, and a lot of people's, a lot of people uh, were telling me, I uh, don't trade chops and walk. Like regular fans, like people that see in the gym or people that knew that I was going to Louisiana, oh, you don't want to trade chops with him. Oh, you don't want to do that. Oh, no, he's going to kill you. Oh, you should see his hand went through someone's chest and this and that. And then you hear all kinds of stories. And half of them are, most of them are true. <laughs> But I knew that was one thing in my mind for sure. I said, in order to have like a good successful match, I need to, to trade with him. I need to show my heart. I need to show that I can endure the pain and I'll, I'll go one for one. Basically, you know, he gives me one, I give him one. He gives me two, I give him two. I, that was my mindset. And, and I've told Walter, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to send up to you, you know, I, every time you're going to chop me, I'm going to chop you back, you know, unless you, you want me to, to sell, you know, something at one point I will, but I mean, it's important for me to stand up with you on the chops. It's like two big monsters, you know, going at each other. And then, um, when, uh, when he started chopping me, And then I chopped him back. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, it's going to be hard to recreate that reaction uh, for the crowd there. I'm gonna say it's, it's, it's a classic match. I, it was that special thing where uh, I think it was on a, a long trade where he chops me all the way back to one corner. I chop him back all the way to the other corner across the ring and then he brings me all the way back in the middle and then we start trading in the middle. And at some point he had to say bump, you know, <laughs> he wanted to keep, <laughs> he wanted to keep his gimmick over and understood that. So, but he gave me enough, you know, so that I could look like that I was standing up to him. But, uh, they, the crowd, uh, then I, I think they start erupting on the, uh, on the, on the uh the trade but as soon as I started hitting like I think I hit like a I did the uh top pillow uh the the sent on over like jumping you know from the ropes not top rope but just jumping over the top rope like a just a flip you know on him and then uh threw him back inside uh, I think I hit a uh, uh, spring-legged moonsault 
as a falsy. Uh, then we ended up outside and I did the moonsault from the top on the floor and people started to go crazy. And then on the chap exchange, it was really like, uh, and I've, I've said that so many times, but it really was exactly the same as Rocky IV uh, when Rocky goes in Russia against Drago when he's uh, like welcome with some sort of a ice cold bat. You know, it was when I got there, it was cold, like because. I think half the crowd didn't know who I was because it had been a long time since I came back. And uh, the ones that knew who I was, I didn't care much <laughs> about <laughs> about the fact that I was there. So they didn't know what to expect. And uh, by the end of the match, everybody's standing up. Like everybody's like, it's a, it's a stand up ovation you know it's 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 a huge ovation and uh and yeah i think uh, it's gonna be it's it's one of I've, I've got so many memorable matches but this is one of the, this this rank uh up there one of them that uh, ranks up there well like it was said it, it really did change everything for you you had completely reinvented yourself and that match really opened up a lot of people's eyes got a lot of buzz and you find yourself suddenly the hottest free agent in the business. And, yeah. and you got a chance to now sort of uh, wade through offers. And you ultimately chose Ring of Honor. What was it about Ring of Honor that made you decide that this is where I want to be, this is who I want to sign with? Um, it was so many things. Uh, well, I was... I was well received, uh, you know, the, uh, they had, the company had brought me to the, to the head office and then had the chance to, to meet with everybody, uh, Joe, Joe Cuff, the president, and Greg, and uh, Hunter, and, uh, you know, and then I went to the dojo and I was at St. Clair. Uh, and, and then we, you know, we probably spent like the, the full day, you know, like talking different things and different um, aspects of the business and, and things like that. And uh, after that, I've, I, I've been there. Uh, to Baltimore, like uh, on my way back, I pretty much set up my mind to this is what I want to do, you know, uh, this is where I want to be. Uh, I felt, uh, you know, why I just felt like it was like um, it was uh, I, I was wanted and that uh, it was a uh, a place where you know was a lot of respect was shown and uh, and uh, just just a good very very good vibe had a very very good vibe this is this is this is what I want and uh, originally I just signed for one year so so uh, 
yeah, I think uh, I feel like I had I, I'd really done the best the best choice that I could uh, have made. I was really happy with my decision. Well, and one year after you signed, you you came in December of 2018. In December of 2019, you win the ROH World Championship at Final Battle, ROH's biggest show of the year. Uh, you were just a few weeks shy of your 52nd birthday. So, I mean, what an amazing, amazing story. What was it like for you to, and I was there, so I, I, I got to be part of this moment. After you win the championship, and you come back through the curtain, all of your peers are there waiting for you and applauding for you. Uh, can you describe what that moment was like? Yeah, it was very emotional. Uh, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect the, I, I, you know, I thought that everybody would go after their match. And uh, yeah, and it was, it was a very emotional day. Uh, someone uh, quite sensitive you know uh, to uh, to little things like that you know whatever it's my daughter or my family or uh, when something touches me right to the heart you know I uh, I'm, I'm pretty uh, it shows off you know it's hard for me to uh, radicalize and not showing off my emotions and things like that so I was really touched by uh, by that, it, uh, it meant a lot to me. It meant a lot. It meant uh, I almost felt like uh, everybody in the dressing room kind of felt, you know, my my journey in the business. How, how tough, how tough. It, it, it's tough. Everything is tough. You know, there's nothing easy. There's no other business that it, it's easy, but. Uh, just to, to 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 reach out to that success, uh, there's a lot of sacrifice to be made, and I I felt like they they understood, you know, uh, that I've paid the price to to be allowed to to be a champion or to be to be the world champion and. Uh, and also, I think everybody knew that it was a dream since I was like, you know, a kid, like 12, 13, 14 years old, that, that it was always uh, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. And uh, it was it was very, uh, uh, it says a lot to the company, not, not just upstairs on the office, but also it's one of the greatest locker rooms that uh, I had the chance to uh, to work with. I think, yeah, there's always that competitive aspect. There's always little clicks here and there. But overall, on top of that, I feel like everybody can uh, can overstep boundaries and uh, be. Uh, be happy for someone, I mean, in, in this particular uh, roster. I think it's a great dressing room, a great roster that we've got. Talented, but also uh, like a family, you know. It's a very cliche. You hear that very often, but a lot of times you hear that and it's not uh, all true. But uh, 
I think as far as Ring of Honor is when we say it's a family, I think um, I think you got that energy, that feeling that it is a, like a family. I want to pull back the curtain just a little bit further, if I if I could. When did you find out that you were going to be the Ring of Honor World Champion? Was it was it that day, or did you know? Yeah, that day. That day, yeah. Uh, maybe uh, uh, three or four p.m. only. Yeah, late in the afternoon. Had you had any inkling beforehand, or did you just not really know which way it was going to go? I was willing to go either way, you know. I willing. I had prepared my mind to go either way. To well, that was fifty-fifty, you know. I. I Cause I, I I don't know I don't know other people's deal because I've heard like you know like Superstar Graham will say like yeah, okay Vince wanted me to go back with him he said I'm gonna put the title for you for a year and this and that so I know that things like that have happened before in the past or when Hogan was in AWA. Vincent called them for, let's say, a 10-year contract and said, okay, I'm going to put the title on you for two or three years or whatever. You know, I've, I've heard like things like that. So you never know that behind the scenes, and that's the beauty of the things. <laughs> you never know nothing about everyone else's deal or whatever they have their contract or whatever they want to do they can do they want they don't want to do and so i thought the timing was good but uh i had no i i i, I couldn't i couldn't tell you like uh, before the show I, I wouldn't have bet on that you know i i didn't i wouldn't have i didn't know nothing and then uh, just to prove you that i didn't know nothing when they brought me, I think it was Joe, Greg, and Hunter, and they, they, they said, okay, this is, this is going to be your night. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I dropped a lot of emotions there. <laughs> I was very emotional. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. It was a great feeling. Well, I'm sure. I mean, all the, all the, all the years, all the sacrifices, all the ups and downs, uh, it all cult, you know, culminates in, in that moment of, uh, you know, really sort of vindication and redemption. Like I said, it's a, uh, it's a great story. And since it is for a- me, for for me, sorry, uh, Kevin, for okay. me, it was just a, a victory on myself. It was a victory right. over me. You know, it's it's not about my ego. I become, you know, the world champion. It wasn't that. It was about I've. I've made it like, okay, I was able to escape, you know, so many maybe wrong moves or wrong decisions and to be able to make the, made the right decisions. And it was like a victory. And I think most of people in their life, it's always you versus you more than it is you versus someone else. And, and then I, I reflected on that and I was, I was proud of myself because I felt like, I had one over me. I had one over whatever my ego, whatever. Uh, it could have been, you know, that voice that sometimes tells you who do you think you are, what, you know, because you have all kinds of things that's going on, you know, psychologically, 
when when you uh, you want to pursue a a large goal and something big, and then the, you go through a lot of uh, different mental issues that I call mental toughness, basically. And I've been pretty strong on that since the beginning of the, the interview. But I, I was mostly very proud of myself uh, for, for for making, you know, for, for finally realizing something that I wanted to realize for almost 30 years. Well, it was such a great story. Um... Is there a is there a book in the works by any chance? I need to have a book because I think so. the book the, that's that's what I want to uh, and, and not that I'm not happy with what I have accomplished, but I had set up goals to accomplish more than what I did. And, and in fact, you know, I um, I've I've done as much as I could while I had the title. You know. Uh, Maybe things didn't look appear like that, and the fact that you know, um, in in Canada itself, I, I was part of a show. I was invited in a show that had two million viewers. Uh, I was part of another a TV that was a TV show, another TV a, a sports show with, with with great celebrities in Canada, but maybe not so well known in the states. But shows like where people like Kiss and and GSP and and you know, like huge name from from the U.S. Uh, movie stars and things like that are have been on that show. So I was able to be on that show with the Ring of Honor World Title, and I was I was capable of showing the Ring of Honor World Title all over Canada. And then I did a a sports show with a former uh, NHL enforcer who is like the most popular uh, host, uh, Dave Morissette. Uh, for a show in in Canada and in Montreal, choke slammed him to a table. Uh, we play it like it was real, so uh, they had like a million people going on their uh, just on the website watching the move. Everybody hated me for like three or four days until they revealed that you know it was like uh, a work. So. Uh, just to release that tension, and uh, and then I wanted to. My goal was to really hit the big podcast, uh, Joe Rogan and uh, Head Milehead and the Tom Bill, the Tim Bill, you and all those big ones, and and to go to maybe the Helen the Generous, and I don't know Oprah. I like I had like huge goal, and. You know, so it is what it is. I'm happy with what I've done with it, but uh, I did. I was invited by the Montreal Canadiens, but I wish I could have done as much in the states that I've done in Canada. But I really wanted to, like, uh, you know, to have like a a championship run where, you know, it means numbers, like where it's jam packed sold out it's the best buy rates ever it's all the top numbers you know that's that's what i had envisioned sure it, it didn't go like that i'm it's not a sour taste in my mouth or anything i'm so proud i'm so happy with 
how things went and everything that I, I have done with what I had. And uh, it's just, uh, I'm going to have to work harder to, to get to that next level. But uh, eventually, I want to write a book because I want to be like a reference for any young wrestlers, any young hockey players. And I'm thinking a lot about also maybe guys that were drafted in the first round and didn't deliver. And uh, so that they can read that book and I'm going to go there and write my journey and hopefully they'll be able to pick up on something wrong that they might have done. You know, maybe maybe not enough discipline, maybe too much of an ego, maybe uh, blaming others, maybe, you know, I just want to tell my story and I feel like I've listened to Hogan or uh, Stone Cold or even like guys like from ROH like, that were champions before, like huge champion like AJ or Samoa Joe or whatever. And I think there's always a, a little missing aspect on the process to get there. I think uh, on the mental aspect, what what's going on in your mind and where, where we often, you know, get ourselves out of the picture by our own fault and, and different things like that. And that uh, sometimes we think we work hard, but maybe we don't work hard enough. Maybe we don't do enough, even if we think that we do enough. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of things that I need to write and, uh, and just to help out. If there is one or so many guys that wants to make it to the top, not for their ego, but just to accomplish themselves and to feel proud about themselves and to expand because I think we we we've we've put we have been put on her to expand on our potential. You know, we're we're not just here to to do a little you know boring life and and just to accept whatever is given to us. I think we have to really work hard and and really make all the efforts possible to to grow and to expand as much as we can and to, uh, to fully uh, exploit our potential and to even like uh, think outside of the uh, conditioned mind, you know, like uh, often I will like use that, uh, you know, like a horse when he's young, the little baby horse, they put like that the, the, the cord around their neck and they tie it to that pole. And then when he grows older, he weighs maybe 300 pounds or 200 and 400 pounds and he's strong as hell. But he's still conditioned by when he was a baby and he was held to that pole. So he doesn't go anywhere because he thinks he's he can't go because he's attached. And I think as a human... We have to break those barriers. We have to get out of that conditioned box that, oh, no, this is not for me. I'm not allowed this. This is too big. This is too much. And I think we have to, to work really, really hard to get out of that conditioned mind. And uh, that's, that's going to be part of the book as well. So I really want to explore a lot of uh, 
a lot of mind issues and, and being strong and things like that and uh, especially the conditioning of the human being how we, we have to break through that so there's there's a lot of things that i want to explain that i feel that wayne gretzky never explained this why he had so much talent or or mario lemieux or whoever i read their book I mean, you've seen the you've you've seen a lot of things that helps a lot. Reading biographies definitely helps a lot, but uh, I think there's something to be added. For sure. Let me ask you uh, one final question uh, before we take our last break and and come back with ten questions. And it's basically, how many more years uh, do you want to do this? Have you given any thought to what the end date is in your career, or are you just taking it? one day at a time, one year at a time? Well, I think uh, Sting just made a huge impact, just came back uh, 61. Yep. But that doesn't mean I want to get there. Uh, I think the, the, the sooner I can accomplish what I always wanted to accomplish, I think uh, then I will be, you know, I think I'll be ready to to step up to the next move and to step up to the next chapter of my life. But I, I feel a little bit unaccomplished yet. You know, I, I, I've, uh, I would die tomorrow. I would very, I would die very happily because, you know, I have reached that, that world championship status. And I think it was a, a huge milestone. Uh, the result, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, didn't come with, uh, what I expected. So I feel like, okay, uh, I reach, uh, I plateaued and uh, I think I have to break through that plateau, which is, I think is going to be extremely hard, but uh, who knows, how, who knows how clo I close, how close we are from, from our, uh, from our goal. So, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very positive and I'm very, um, uh, extremely positive that uh, I might be, might sometimes look like I'm far away from that goal, but I might be very close to it. So uh, I don't look at it in terms of years, but I look at it in terms of accomplishments. So, well, uh... At this point, I don't think anybody should uh, discount anything or uh, bet against you achieving whatever goals that you set out for yourself because you've certainly proved a lot of people wrong uh, up to this point. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it'll be fun just to sit back and watch what you do next. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we're going to take our final break, and then when we come back, it's 10 questions with PCO. 2021 is fast approaching a new year and a fresh start. Thank God 2020 is almost over. And with the new year comes a brand new trend. The power is now in your hands. Who do you want to see challenge for the pure title? Who do you want to see drink everything in their sight? A ring of honor quieres saber sobre todos los partidos de tus sueños. You tell us. Who do you want to see challenge for the world title? The pure title, the tag titles. What guys you want to just see beat the living bejesus out of each other. They want you to be the booker. A really good business decision would be to give Slex a world title shot. Hashtag 
choose your honour and let us know your dream matches that all include me winning everything. You let us know by using the hashtag choose your honour and now you are in complete control of the January Experience Show. So follow the trend and let your voice be heard. How do I watch ROH TV? Start by visiting ROHWrestling.com and using our zip code lookup tool to find your local listings. We aren't in your area? Don't worry. You can catch us on digital channels such as Stadium and Stir City as well as Fight.TV. ROH TV also airs every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on Best on the Planet, our newly launched 24-7 streaming channel, which is available on Stir and Plex. The newest episode of ROH TV is always free on ROHWrestling.com and the Ring of Honor app. Ring of Honor has never been easier to watch. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong podcast. Fascinating uh, conversation today, as I knew it would be with PCO. Now it's that time of the show where we play 10 questions. PCO, are you ready? Yes, I am. Do I have like, an amount of time to respond to the question? Uh, no, you can take as long as you, as you like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell fast. you any different. You do what you want. <laughs> And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. What's on your bucket list? Uh, so many things. Like, we've touched on it. Like, uh, What's one thing? Well, uh, breaking record attendance and pay-per-view numbers. <laughs> okay. Question number two, do you have any hidden talents? We obviously know that you can do these strongman, these feats of strength and high tolerance to pain. Is there anything else that uh, that you do that maybe we're not aware of? I'm just a good hockey player. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can't sing or dance? Not at all. <laughs> okay. Very bad at it. <laughs> all right. Question number three, what's a subject you'd like to know more about? It's always related to personal development for me. It's always that's this is very, uh, this is very. Uh, there's no limits to it, you know. It's 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 a the growth is uh, limitless. So uh, yeah, there's always more that, that I can learn. Okay. Question number four. What's something popular today that you just don't see the appeal of it? TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Might be a generational thing for us. I don't know. Question number five. Are you a dog person, cat person, both, or neither? Neither. Ah, no pets. Uh, I'm an alone person. Person. Oh, okay. All right. Question number six. We've talked about how fascinating your life story is. If it were ever turned into a movie, what actor would play you? Uh, <laughs> I... I don't know. I would have to 
you know, it would have to be some someone in the four thirties or the forties. Uh, I would hope to play the the real part of the the, the, the age that I'm close to, and someone else for the younger parts. But maybe so it, it looks like you know. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I've, I've, I've put a lot of thoughts into it. Like I never really uh, came up with a name for the actor. I'm sorry about that. I, I, I never knew if I wanted to play my own role, but I don't, I don't think so because it might be in a few years. But uh, I really don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a, it would take a unique actor, that's for sure, who could pull off uh, PCO. So. We'll send out a casting call or something at some point. Yeah. Uh, question number seven. Uh, your story, as we've discussed, is very inspiring. Who inspires you? Uh, well, I've, I've been inspired by by many different stories. Uh, like, uh, almost every time. I mean... Movies are very inspiring to me. Uh, there's a bunch of movies that have been so inspiring to me. And uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger are two. Uh, Arnold, for so many reasons, because he didn't have, like, nobody said they could make it in Hollywood because his accent and the Schwarzenegger name, they wanted them to change name. They wanted them to you know, get rid of his accent and things like that. And uh, he he wanted to be himself and he never like backed down and always believed in himself. So uh, Arnold also was a, you know, when the movies, the first movies, the Conan movies came out and then the Terminator movies. Uh, and uh, I followed him during the, the, the late Olympia runs. I was young, but you know, I knew who he was. So, uh, and I've read his books and I've read a lot of things on him and uh, he's been very inspiring. But Stallone is very, very inspiring because his movies are basically um, his life, you know? So for him to make it into the movie industry uh, it was like the Rocky where he never got the break or, you know, he had to fight all the time, fight back, fight back, fight back. And uh, he was the underdog and nobody wanted to give him the, the, his own role because basically he went to see Muhammad Ali against Chuck Wepner in New Jersey. And then when he went back from that evening of boxing, that inspired him to write because Chuck Whitner had sent, <coughs> had sent um, Ali uh, on the floor in the sixth round, uh, knocked him down. But but it was <coughs> everybody thought it was like a, a real knockdown. But he had his foot on on Ali's foot. But anyways, <laughs> um, Stallone saw all the craziness, you know, the white hope and uh, going against the super like talented champion and he was the underdog yet he wasn't supposed to have that match it was just a bum and uh, so basically it's uh it's a almost an, an analogy of his a reference to his life so that's why 
salons very inspiring. Okay, question number eight. If you could have a conversation with any person, living or dead, who would it be? I would love... Uh, I was thinking about that today, you know, I'd love to, to have a conversation with like someone like, you know, some art you know, or even Stone Cold, like I had the chance to do his podcast, but he was asking the question, I wasn't asking the question, and I guess... <laughs> You know, I was wrestling that evening and I said like I could spend a whole day with him, but I would have loved to ask questions, you know, how he felt at a certain point of his career or how Hogan or, or Smartino or the, the greatest, the greatest ones, you know, the, the, the ones, not the, the best wrestlers, but the one who drew the most money. Sure. Uh, what was, you know, the the mindset behind the, these guys we we, we kind of know it but i'd like to know it more on certain situation what went through their mind and what how did they decided to do such a thing instead of another thing why they made that decision instead of another decision and if they were i guess at some point somebody they wanted to uh i know for for fact that stone cold talk about a big thing, big mistake that he did when he refused to put Brock Lesnar over and he went home. But uh, those those things I would like to pick his brain on. Why? And more, you know, ask more and more questions and try to find out and to dig it deep into their brain. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Question number nine. What is your pet peeve? If you, Do you have one? No. Nothing really bothers you. What what bothers me, like yeah, in, in everyday lives? Yeah. No, not, not really. Nothing uh, comes to my mind. Okay. All right. The final question, question number ten. Since we are coming to the end of the year, a lot of people make resolutions. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Well, I would like to um, to find a way to to get into the. Uh, that's a resolution for me because, as far as you know, all the other things, I think uh, there's a, there's a lot of things that I, that I'm practicing every day, so that I don't they're not going to be part of my resolution. But uh, what I would like to put in my resolution and they're already there because we're, we're there in a week uh, it's to to go on the untapped potential of uh, a PCO you know I, I think I think the electricity should be a finish I think uh, but I, I don't think it should be part of the pandemic because think there's we need crowds to fill uh all all this but i i think if you know the electricity was put on one of the pole and i would touch that pole and then that would be electrified and then i would uh touch my opponent and it would go down and 
I think uh, to hunt that potential, we, we did a lot of things. We did like a great, great entrance in Madison Square Garden with the electric chair. That was amazing. But I think if we could like really, really uh, deep, deep, uh, dig deep into that, that, that character, I think there's so much potential that we haven't touched at that. I don't know how this, this is going to be possible. I'm trying to figure that out. That's why it's part of one of my resolutions. But I think the electricity should be something big. And I think uh, when I come out of the rain, we should have security guards with, plastic, with plexiglass around me. So I make sure to make sure that I don't electrocute anyone else on the way back to the dressing room. And it's going to be, I think it, it should be like a very spectacular entrance. A, a great finish and uh, and I think a very spectacular exit, which we haven't never seen that in the wrestling industry. So I think that would be this is my resolution for, for next year or the following year. <laughs> Who knows <laughs> when yeah. it's going to be possible to to execute on it? But uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Execute and electrocute. That is uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, PCO, before we uh, wrap this up, uh, I know I gave out your Twitter handle earlier. Do you want to give that out again and all the other places on social media where people can find you? Yeah, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at PCO is not human. TikTok, TikTok as well. But uh, I, I don't upload as, as much material because it's only one minute long. I do my best. And on... Uh, YouTube, PCO, Pierre Carl Wallet. Uh, yeah, there's a, a great inventory of things there. Like there's been put there. There's been a video a week for the last three years. So, a lot of stuff. Uh, so that's basically that's how you can reach out. And I'm pretty active, so uh, there's a lot of chance that I will answer something to you or respond or whatever, interact with you. All right. Fantastic. I just want to uh, thank you again for being so uh, generous with your time today. Uh, it was a fascinating, fascinating conversation as I, as I knew it would be. And uh, I enjoyed it immensely. Thank you very much. Evan. It's always a, a pleasure, whether it's a, an interview or I see you live or whenever I got the, the chance to see you. Uh, it's always a treat. So thank you very much for having me on and giving me the opportunity to share my ideas and uh, my story a little bit. So I really appreciate it. Sounds good. We'll have to do this again at some point in uh, in 2021, hopefully. Maybe we'll actually see each other at a show in 2021 yeah. with fans and, and the whole nine yards. Wouldn't that be something? It would be great. <laughs> All right. Well, take care, my friend. Thanks to everyone for listening. Remember, a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked onto ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying, stay safe, everyone. And let's all be ROH strong.